This is the Geek Therapy Podcast. Join Lara Taylor and me, Josue Cardona, as we celebrate how geek culture is saving the world. Currently, we're focusing on a geek therapy library. The library is designed to help fans communicate through their favorite movies, books, and games. It's a resource for therapists, teachers, and parents to find a way to work with or talk about important things through awesome content. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Geek Therapy Podcast. My name is Josue Cardona. I am with Lara Taylor. What's up, Lara? What's up, Josue? I just realized that I've created an automatic intro at the beginning where I already say, I already introduced myself <laughs> and you, and now we're just doing it over again. It's okay. We don't need to do that. It's all right, just in case anybody wasn't listening at the beginning, maybe. All right. So I want to hear about a convention that you went to. Um, so tell us about that in a second. I do want to remind listeners that we are building a geek therapy library, which is a database of media, right, across different mediums and genres to help people talk about stuff that might be difficult to talk about. So maybe a therapist or a parent or a teacher could use something to talk about a difficult issue. We're, we're practicing that here on the show. We've been doing that for a while now. That's what we're going to do today to an extent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to I mean, an extent. Well, I was thinking about how often we don't do that. And I think it's very little. I think the the, the, the amount of time we don't do that, yeah. like even even when there's an interview or something that I do with someone, it's still it's still that core idea, right? Right. Yeah. So um, the things that I've been watching. So let me know how we how how we should do this. I did finish Thirteen Reasons Why. I didn't even start that. <laughs> so I, I want to say some things about it, but I, I don't want to give you spoilers necessarily. Uh-oh. Um, if you don't want them. So so we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. And then this weekend, I will be at C2E2 in Chicago on a panel with uh, Patrick O'Connor, who has been on the show many times, Liz Smith, who has been on the show too, and then the writer and artist of Marvel Silk. And I'm really, really excited about that. And I'm looking forward to talking to them. It's really exciting. Silk. It is exciting. <laughs> And uh, I've I've talked about Silk briefly before because she is her character essentially emerges out out of a bunker. She was in there for ten years, held against her will. So she leaves, and she she has the same powers as Spider Man. Mm-hmm. But that experience of being locked up for for ten years and being away from society essentially, um, you know, it it brings it has an effect on you. So she is seeing a therapist throughout the show, um, throughout the series. So. That's why I brought it up before, and I'm rereading it now, so I'll probably talk about that next week. But I just wanted to to put the C2E2 uh, event out there. And so what do you think we should do? I, I The only other thing I really went deep on was 13 Reasons Why. So I think we should talk about that now at the end. We could talk about that now, I guess. Okay, so content warning for, for 13 Reasons Why. There is... Um, so, do you want spoilers or not spoilers? Uh, I guess you can spoil it. I guess. Okay. So, actually, you know what? Let's leave it to, toward the end in case anybody doesn't want to hear spoilers. Oh, yeah. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah, yeah. So, let's leave it to the end. So, tell me about your weekend. Okay. So, this weekend, I had the most amazing time. I went to the Queers and Comics Conference. Um, it was a two day event with, they had a couple of other events throughout the, the week and the weekend. Um, but Friday and Saturday, all day, both days, nothing but panels, um, about all kinds of things, but mostly it was, um, a conference for queer cartoonists and creators, um, and people that love comics, um, and these panels were longer than your average panel at a, at a convention. Your average panel at a convention is slated for an hour and you get about 45 minutes of that hour so that there's time to, um, shift between panels. These were hour and a half long panels, um, with time in between to network and get to know the people who were on the panels. Um, it was the best time ever. It was like going away to summer camp with a bunch of um, LGBT cartoonists. And um, you really got to meet people that um, have, who started um, the LGBT comics, like movement back in underground comics days and the, in the sixties and and seventies. And 
um, people all the way through to to people who are um, working on comics today. Uh, one of the keynote speakers was Mariko Tamaki, who wrote um, this one summer skim. Um, and those are like award-winning books and, um, she's working on, uh, Supergirl being super right now. Did you, were there, is there a lot of like storytelling about like how things were at the beginning when they started making, um, books and how they probably weren't, um, or how they, they, like they meant a lot to a lot of people or how they were maybe rejected or anything like that? Um, there was a lot of talk, especially on the, the panel about the underground comics, which, is, which was a two hour panel instead of an hour and a half. Um, they talked a lot about how they didn't see themselves represented in comics at all. And so they felt like they needed to, to write the comics they wanted to read. Um, and that's a, that was a big thing that went all the way through, um, to the keynote speaker on um, on the second night on Saturday, uh, Gengaro Tagame, who he writes erotic gay manga, but he also writes, um, he just put out a book. Actually, it's been going on for a while in Japan, but it's coming to the U.S. now. Um, it's a family, like young adult uh, and kids manga. Um, my brother's husband um and his big thing during his keynote speech was i didn't see what i wanted to read so i created it i needed to see it so i wrote it and here it is kind of thing um and i think that's been something that's that a lot of that that's a thing in comics in general right now um is the focus on diversity in comics and not seeing yourself represented, um, not seeing the stories that that you think represent you. Um, yeah, when, when that argument always comes up and it's absolutely valid, there's always, mm-hmm. you know, there tends to be, there tends to be people who respond with, oh, you know, then we need more creators of color. We need more creators mm-hmm. who are queer. We need more creators who have different experiences to do that. And that's like that's that's not so easy, you know? No, it's not so easy, but it's also not necessarily true. There was an entire panel that I didn't end up going to because with having four panels in a time slot, I couldn't go to everything. And I was so bummed when, like, there were three panels at the same time I wanted to go to. Um, but one panel was about um, writing stories that don't necessarily belong to you and being responsible about writing stories that don't belong to you um, and writing other people's identities. Um, so that th- th- long conversations happen throughout the whole weekend about these things. Um, and one guy brought up, um, what's his name? Ramsey Fawaz. He wrote a book that um, I want to pick up called The New Mutants, and it's a scholarly book about looking at how um, superheroes have um, kind of represented a lot of different um, civil rights movements and and different people. Hmm. And he was talking about in one of the panels, um, it was um, a panel on... uh, queerness in the mainstream so in mainstream comics and not necessarily overt queerness as in lgbt characters um but as in seeing yourself represented in in the stories um or like alluding to and um ramsey said uh that the character he like related to the most always was storm from the x-men and there's a picture of me as a kid relating to Storm and looking and so, like being nothing like her. But you don't necessarily have to um, have that to find a character you relate to. This is something that we haven't really talked about in detail for a while. But it's mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, the whole reason behind the library, what we're doing is that many times the things that define you aren't necessarily the reason why you're in therapy or why you need help or the issues mm-hmm. that you're dealing with right now. One of the very, very infuriating things I saw 
when um, I worked in, with with other therapists in in clinics and and in in different settings was um, people who would um, or therapists who would really try to push on a on a on a person like not on their problem but try to see how them being gay was was connected to that because mm-hmm. they didn't understand what it was like to be gay you know and i'm like well you know why why were you why did you keep asking questions about that when they were there for i don't know like they were stressed out about work or or you know something that was going on at home like that isn't necessarily the reason why they're there and I think that there's a lot to be said about being able to relate to specific experiences regardless of who is having it and regardless of what the person looks like. I think that it's harder for some people to see themselves in a character um, Mm -hmm. if the character doesn't look like them. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I've had those conversations with people. and. I mean, I, I'm I'm very light skinned, so I've been able to see my like physically myself in many many different characters, right? right? But there are other things that I that I mean, if you if you continue with the with the physical, it's like, well, you know, I'm not blonde, uh, I'm, and I don't have blue eyes. I I, I am don't have like a superhero body, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Like there there are all these other things that I don't see myself, but in in the in the the skin color part of it, I get that, and. I don't know. It's I, I'm 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 on that side of I don't think mm-hmm. that you have to look like the character to relate to them, and just like I mean, there are so many. I think it's probably easier with a book, right, where you can kind of imagine the character looking like whatever you want right. the character to look like, even if they are described um, to a certain extent. It's still your version of it, and you can see yourself there. But but yeah, I I agree with that completely. Just because. There can be enough similarities in the experience, including superheroes, right? Like these are metaphors for other things that we're experiencing. And I think that depending on what you're experiencing, you'll see something different in those stories anyway. Well, and a couple yeah. weekends ago, I was at WonderCon and um, I had a conversation with Mark and Draco, um, who writes – right now he's he writes for DC. I'm not exactly sure what he's writing right now, but he was doing Batwoman up until a while ago. Um and he he brought up that like when we relate to a story when you're writing a story you want your story to be as specific as possible and that you never know who is going to you never know who's going to relate to um a spe- that story that he had a straight white friend who watched the movie Moonlight um which I still haven't seen, really want to see. It's sitting on my shelf waiting for me to put it in the Blu-ray player. Um, but it's about or a, a young gay man. And he was saying that that his friend like saw it and was in tears and thought the story was really moving and, and saw himself in that story, even though it had nothing to do with him. Um because it was a specific story and if you are if you generalize and try to please everybody um that you're just going to get it like vanilla everything and you're not going to get any real substance to your um to your story so that's not to say that there isn't a place for all these uh diverse stories because I mean, if if someone who's straight can relate to a story about someone who's gay, that's important to have that. And it is important to be able to see yourself everywhere. But um, it's also important just to have a good story. Um, yeah, like uh, I'm, I'm thinking right now, I was trying to think of a, a, a good example. And I thought of um, Ms. Marvel. There's there's a kind of something that she goes through sort of recently in the show is that her best friend has a crush on her, but then... She doesn't feel the same way about him, and then he goes and starts dating someone else, and she starts feeling kind of weird now. Right. She doesn't understand how she's feeling. And everyone can relate to to that. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to be a Pakistani-American teenage girl living in Jersey City to relate to that. But if you are, even more power to you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but the, the representation of the experience is so good that it gets across mm-hmm. her feelings get across and i think that's where we connect mostly to to these characters again it's not it's not 
the particular setting because because it could have been you know she could be instead of Jersey City she could be on Saturn you know yeah. in two thousand years in the future and the the feeling is still the same right and so one of the things that w- in that same panel about um, queerness in the mainstream was um, and and we've talked about how the X Men can um, how the X Men story has a lot of themes that pretty much any oppressed group can uh, relate to. But there were some things that were discussed about how, why it is innately a queer story. And some things I didn't even think of until I went to that panel. Um, It was, I I mean, there's this idea of passing and some human or some mutants can pass and some can't. Um, Some can hide that they're mutants and some can't. Um, But also, um, and this is the part I didn't even, um, I didn't even relate to, like, I, I didn't put it together before the, the weekend was that, um, issues of race or religion, usually you're, you're the same, um, race or religion as your parents. Not always. I mean, especially, um, with adoption and, um, and multicultural families, but usually you are you look like your your parents, or you follow the same traditions as your parents. But f- we talked a little bit about that last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for for the LGBT population, usually you come from straight parents, and they may not understand you, and you have that unique experience of your parents not understanding you, and in the X-Men comics, uh, mutants, the mutant gene becomes activated usually around adolescence, which is also when LGBT people are figuring out their sexuality. Some f- figure it out earlier. Some people who are trans know from a very young age that they're, they're trans. Some don't figure it out till they're, that they're gay or lesbian or trans or bisexual until they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s. But typically, it's around that age of adolescence where they're trying to figure things out. And so I was like, light bulb over my head that that is, um, that's when the X-Men kind of, and, and mutants tend to, to fall into that. Um, and stories of parents not accepting their kids because they're, um, they're uh they're a mutant um that was really interesting um and i mean that's a a scene that gets depicted in the x-men movies um the whole like have you ever tried not being a mutant kind of thing um it but yeah the it was a good conversation um that uh went on for quite a while a lot of people had a lot to say about that and then there was something about, um, in that panel too, about, um, they said that being a superhero is being queer. It's in, it's like inherently queer because you're odd, you're different, you're outside of humanity. Um, no. Regardless of how you become a superhero, whether you're born with it or whether you're, um, whether you're bitten by a spider or something, you end up being different from everyone else and, and kind of outside of society. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool conversation. <laughs> That's something I haven't, I had never thought about too much in the sense that all of these people can't really, like they have experiences they can't relate with unpowered people with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why they hang out with each other. <laughs> right. That's why they go to be at Professor X's school, right? Like, uh, Or something even like the, the, the Justice League or the Oh, Avengers, yeah, even then, right? yeah. It's like they're, they're coming together for a purpose, but they're also kind of hanging out with each other. It's like, who else am I going to talk to about, you know, fighting robots or, or aliens? Or flying in and, space and like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You always tend to try to find the people that you fit in with and who can relate to you. And it's good to cross-pollinate. And, you know, you've got your your Clark Kent has his Lois Lane to have 
a, a relation, a friendship and a relationship with, but he also wants, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman and Flash and Ma- Martian Manhunter to kind of. Yeah, I was thinking of someone like um, like Doctor Strange. We talked last week. You know how he he essentially earned his his powers, right? right? And so he, I mean, once he has the ability to do these incredible things, then yeah, now he's got to talk to like other people with powers because that's the closest thing that that relates to his experience. And even someone like Batman who does not have any superpowers, he does not live in the same world as the powerless. Yeah. Right. He, he, he has access to things and the ability to do things that are more in line with Superman and Batman, uh, Superman and Wonder Woman and, and the Flash than just everyday powerless people. I kind of like the way that that word powerless from the TV show. Yeah. Powerless. <laughs> of course you it's do. It's a good term. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. But what else from the weekend? Oh, the other thing from the weekend, literally on every panel I went to, someone mentioned- um, Geek therapy. Not geek. Well, technically geek therapy, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> but not but not geek therapy by name. Um, every person talk, not every person, every panel had a panelist, at least one, talk about- processing trauma through um through creating comics and and how the creation of their comics has been um a healing process for them uh and the lgbt community is rampant with trauma um of all different types um parents that have been abusive um sexual assaults um harassment from people on the street uh issues around feeling traumatized by people saying you're in the wrong bathroom that kind of thing yeah um and betrayal so, of friends and family like exactly like yeah. Yeah. so um everybody like the, there was just over and over again that was a theme people talking about dealing with their trauma through creating comics. Um, that's that's really interesting because I'm I, I've been thinking about about that recently about how we at least here on the show we're talking about the consumption of right um, different media and the effect that it has on us and we never uh-huh. really talk about that because none of us are really creators, right? None of us right. are, are artists. None of us are, are writers. Well, and so the we- funny thing was when people, when I, people, I talked to people and, and mentioned like what I do and like, um, and the podcast and everything, I would mention like, you know, how in this panel we were at, that person was talking about how they use trauma to, or use comics, making comics to help them process trauma. Um, and I would be like, that's kind of what I do, but like, in a way that not so creatively inclined people can access. I mean, I can't draw. (laughs) I I can write, but I don't think I'm that good of a creative writer. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I consume what other people make and relate to that and help other people relate to that. Yeah. I mean, and specifically, right, like we we talk about in general, pretty much – Within fandom, right? Like we're talking mm-hmm. about like you, you love this stuff and within those things that you love, probably the reasons why you love them are, are, are in part um, related to how they make you feel. Mm-hmm. But also if you look for it, you'll be able to find it and probably find some 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 sort of positive effect in there. Right. Um, yeah, I would I would love to have uh, more conversations with with um, people who, who cre- you know, with creators about, about this topic. Oh yeah, be, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, did they? Did the you know as that came up, were there different versions of it, such as um, like the, um, for example, the best uh, explanation of uh, Freud's work that I ever heard, or like a psychodynamic uh, perspective, was that you know it's like archaeology. The idea is you dig things up and you expose them to the elements so that they like break down and and. Um, <clears throat> kind of decompose right and so just like addressing something that maybe you're not talking about or you're trying not to think about now you are you know dealing with it head on and just the effect of 
you know, writing about it or expressing yourself about it can be therapeutic? Or, or did people talk about it being a process of like playing out a situation differently or seeing what they would want to see? Like, did, did they go into detail? Um, some people went into detail. Uh, one person talked about, well, I'm getting my panels all mixed up, but I think this is the one I'm thinking about. So one person talked about how um, they are, they were a trans creator and there was something that they were trying to process about um, like gender fluidity and, and things like that and being genderqueer. And it wasn't that they were feeling that way. They were trying to process understanding how other people can feel that way because that wasn't their experience of being trans. And gotcha. how in the comic, their, they had their characters dealing with like one character was being um, kind of anti-gender fluid like what are you doing wearing a ma- mustache uh, you're you're a girl and and things like that um so they said that was their safe place to be able to kind of um deal with that um hmm. and process that information yeah um there was someone else that that had uh pancreatic cancer and uh, actually the same kind that my brother had. Uh, and that was interesting for me. Um, but he had pancreatic cancer and he said that writing the comics and dealing with um, getting all the information out of how it happened um, was helpful. Um, and that at make, creating the comic and having that, that out there was important for him. Um, but that... It, it definitely took a lot out of him, especially remembering all these traumatic things. So it's not always healing and you, you have to take your time with it. Um, another person was a um, an art therapy uh, student um, and mentioned creating comics with clients um, and said that... And I... I I've seen it used as um, a therapeutic tool, but I didn't think of it in such a way as this this person described it. When we have traumatic uh, traumatic incidents and and you try to remember things, they don't necessarily come in a linear sequence, right? Um, so you'll remember like if you're in a car accident or something, you you can remember. Um, the headlights and then later you remember what happened before you saw the headlights coming at you and then maybe you remember like the broken glass different things in different orders and with comics you can have a you can draw a panel of each of those and move it around so that it fits into a linear sequence so that you can remember things in a linear way um yeah, I hadn't thought of doing that either. I hadn't thought I never, of that I never either. really had it come up, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's really good. And then there was another thing, like literally with the borders and the gutters on a comic, you're putting the, the, the traumatic experience in a container and you can control how much of the content goes into each panel. And I thought that was brilliant. Like if you don't want to remember, I don't know, if you don't want to remember that much, like the whole picture, and you don't want to f- focus on the whole picture of what happened because it's too intense for you, you can just draw what small a small piece of it that that is easier to manage and doesn't tr- and just doesn't flood a whole lot of memory back into you and make it too much to handle. I there were just little nuances of things that I was like, I never thought of that. Yeah, well, um, even in a comic, like you could you could write between the before and after. Right. And it doesn't mean that the in-between didn't happen. Exactly. Right. That's kind of that's kind of one of the great things about comic books, right? Like you, you have to think about what's happening in between the panels. Right. Hmm. So hmm. there were so many. Yeah. 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 Um, and there were a lot of people there writing comics about their personal experience with mental illness. Um, and uh, one creator said that um, she was bipolar and she's written comics about being in the hospital. Um, and 
that she's had people come to her or email her or whatever and say um, that the comic really helped them go deal with what they were going through. And she said that um, if even just one or two people say that to her and it really that that her comic really helped that it was worth it to put her story out there. Um, and that was healing for her. So, yeah. One area that I definitely need help with on the, on the library side is there's a lot of not only web comics, but graphic novels that have been published related to mental health and the experience of having mental health. And I discover new ones all the time and I've, I'm overwhelmed by how many there are uh-huh. and I've read so few of them. There's a lot out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. <laughs> there are a lot. We got to dump those into the library. Got to put a lot of things in the library. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. <laughs> but yes. basically, this this weekend was, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> um, okay. I had a lot of fun. Like, do you think you'll write something up about that, or or is there somewhere people can go to f- to learn about kind of what went on in the different panels and oh, I guess. So, um, so yeah, I will definitely, definitely. Don't say definitely. I will definitely <laughs> write something up sometime soon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Watch, I say that definitely. But um, I really want to, it, I think it would help me process all the stuff that I went through over the weekend and everything I felt. Um, but I want you to write that. I, I, yeah. I, I dropped a hint because that I would very much like to read that. Yeah. Um, well, I will, I will try to, I will try to put that out for me, Lara. I'll do Do it. it I'll do it for you, Josue. Um, (laughs) but all of the panels were recorded and they're all going to be online. Oh, fantastic. Um, and that's, they did that because there were so many panels that people wanted to go to that they couldn't go to. Um, I don't know when they're going to go up. This is, but, um, if you go, does everyone have access to them? Yes. Okay. So, um, if you like, I don't know the actual website right now off the top of my head, but if you Google Queers and Comics Conference 2017, you will find the information. Um, and I don't know when stuff will be going up from this year, but the stuff from the New York conference, which was the first conference two years ago, um, is up online and all of those panels are available to, to see. Okay, I'll, I'll look it up and put links in the show notes then. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, and they're plan- already planning on trying to do another one of these in two years. Um, okay. So it's going to kind of alternate, I think, on the yeah. East Coast and West Coast. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Good times to be had by all. <laughs> no, it sounds great. There's a... There's a maybe... maybe um, you can, well, I mean, you'll, you haven't seen them all either, but maybe, you know, we can talk later and come up with like a list of the top ones for people to see. Oh, yeah. Definitely recommend some. There's okay. at least a couple of the ones I went to are worth it. And then I can look at some, I once the the next, uh, the next set from this year go up, I can definitely watch some that I missed. There were a few that I was like, oh, man, there was something about like gender and robots. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> some cool stuff right yeah. got it yeah 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 i've been talking a lot about robots lately <laughs> robots yeah Whew. okay all right cool thank you for that report <laughs> and now right. on to other stories <laughs> and next on geek therapy um yeah the only other thing i want to talk about is 13 reasons why and i've been thinking about it actually while you were talking um, <laughs> Because, well, because a few, a few things came up. So content warning, um, definitely. And I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to spoil a few things. You're going to So if you don't want any spoilers, things. go through. Um, I'm going to spoil them for you, but I'm going to spoil them not story-wise. Okay? I guess I'm okay with that. And so, and so mainly, so, so the content warnings are, spe- are related specifically to suicide. It's a show about, um, you know, a girl's suicide and kind of what led up to it and the after and, and the effects hmm. of it afterwards um, simultaneously. And there's also, um, there's also rape in the show. 
Okay, so those are the two content warnings. Now, the reason why uh, those two content warnings are, are important in, in particular and the way that they're also spoilers, but I also think that the show doesn't do enough of a good job of warning you that you're going to see those things. Right, so there's only two episodes that have uh, like a content advisory at the beginning, and those are the two episodes where um, they show pretty graphic representations of a rape, and then the actual suicide that 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 you see when you see it on the show. And you know, for people who haven't seen it and are still listening, it happens in the last episode, and it is the most graphic portrayal of suicide I've ever seen. From beginning to end, from the moment that she prepares, she goes through with it, and then her family finds her. It is shocking, and it's not something, man, I don't, I don't know. And honestly, I, oh, I don't remember if there was a content warning at the beginning of that episode, which was weird because it's like, oh, we can put an advisory for um, sexual um, for sexual assault, but not for this. And now, yes, the entire show. That's, that's a little, yeah. That's weird, I right? Hope that's they strange. did. I hope they did. <laughs> I don't think they did. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm pretty sure they didn't. And, and I, I tried to be really, really, um, you know, paying attention to that. And so the, the series is about, um, you know, when the series starts, you realize that this girl has killed herself and then she left essentially a suicide note on 13 cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And each tape is about a different person. And it's kind of telling you a story of how she got to the point where she wanted to kill herself. So mm-hmm. you're seeing the, you're, you're, the story starts after she's already died and everyone knows that she's died. And one of the characters is starting to listen to the tapes and learning of all of these events and how that changes his perspective on on the world. And really, the show is definitely trying to show you that there are many different things that can lead a person to suicide. There are many different um, experiences uh, from not only you but the people around you that we can be kinder to each other. There's kind of the premise of the, sh- of the show where it's kind of like, any, any of us could have done something different and maybe she would still be here. And I have mixed feelings about the responsibility that it seems to be putting on individual people. But I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a good representation of how people would feel afterwards. Right. Right. So – and I'm not clear on what the message is trying to be in the show or if there even is one. But it's definitely showing many different perspectives. Ultimately, I think that the show does a really good re- uh, a really good job of showing uh, the life of a teenager, the life of multiple teenagers, life in high school, mm-hmm. and and so here are the f- a few things that came up from from some of the things you were saying. One is that this is a high school in a seemingly affluent white neighborhood, white suburb. Right. Holy shit! That's like always the representation of high school that we see on TV. Unless it's like some like dangerous inner city high like school, that. yeah, exactly, exactly, right. And there seems to be no in between, you know. And mm-hmm. so part of that, like part of that, was with me the entire show. How, yeah, there are other characters of different races, but the the main characters and the main villains are all white. And I wonder how hard – see, because for me, it was very – it reminded me a lot of my high school experience. It reminded me a lot of everything I hated about my high school experience. And although my high school looked very different, a lot of these things were the same because mm-hmm. people treat each other really shitty, you know, shittily. Shittily? 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 <laughs> people are shitty to each people, other. People are shitty. <laughs> yeah. And and so I I was thinking about that while you were talking, right? About how is it like are we doing a disservice by always showing the same type of high school with the same kind of, you know, really wide open um hallways and the big lockers and things like that. You know, that's mm-hmm. not that's not everybody's experience. But the shittiness is 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 definitely there. I mean there's a lot of drama, but it is it'll make you feel some things, absolutely. Um, another thing that, that came up while you were talking is there there is a character who she is gay and her parents are gay, but she's trying so hard to pass. 
right? Oh. And that's something that I haven't seen very often. And when she gets to talk about it, she's saying, like, you have no idea how hard it's been for me um, and for my parents because they're gay. And so she's adopted. And so it's like the entire thing of, like, she doesn't look like her parents. Her parents are, are, are two men. And, like, she's going through the she, – she talks about how she's been – how it's been so difficult for them and for her their entire lives. Like she doesn't want to add this on top of that. She tries very right. hard to to hide it. So that's that's a situation that I haven't really seen played out on a on a TV show. Maybe it has, but mm-hmm. I, I'd never seen it before. So and again, we're looking for for relatable experiences. And I know that I told you at the last week that I started watching the show and I felt like the the girl who killed herself was doing this with the videos with the cassettes. And mm-hmm. like I, I love revenge stories. Like I, right. like I really love stories like that. But this felt strange because she's already dead when you start, and you know this is the first thing. So that it's happens. like, so it's not really like, well, it is revenge, but it's not. Yeah, like she's not going to get anything out of this, right? This is playing right. out afterwards, and and at first I felt like, oh, she feels like a villain at this point. But that was only two mm-hmm. episodes in. She still feel like a villain? No, 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 okay. no. Okay. Like I, I honestly think that this show is amazing. Okay. I think it's it is so like it feels really well done. It feels ultimately, I think that everything done was done kind of uh, in a pretty responsible manner. I, I'll have to. I'm still like I had a lot of emotional responses to the show. And I, I'm glad you gave it more than two episodes then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely a show that people are talking about, and I think it's it's definitely worth being informed on. And it's one of those shows where it's like, oh, the suicide show. Like, what do you, you know, like, should I watch yeah. it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and and right now, again, other than the very graphic things that are portrayed, I think it's a really good show. I think that the storytelling is done amazingly well. I love the main characters. And ultimately, well, at first I thought that it was strange what, what – um, what the main character Hannah was doing, or was ha- mm-hmm. what was happening after her death, the as the story progresses, you you definitely understand what she went through, and you see see there's this very strange thing that happens to I don't know I think it happens to all of us where we see a situation and and this is something that's portrayed often in the show, which is like you know what happened to her happens to every teenager. It's no big deal, right. And even though I know that's not true, and I fight against that all mm-hmm. the time, when I started the show, I kind of felt like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, come on, like this isn't that big of a deal. But it, it, it definitely becomes a bigger deal. Like Everything does escalate. And I think that the, the main character, Hannah, she does a great job of, ex- of explaining to people why they're wrong when they think that. Well, and I think that's a way a lot of adults look at teenagers. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they forget that they were a teenager once and that everything when you're a teenager feels like it's the bit. And I don't know what happens in the show, but like everything when you're a teenager that goes wrong feels like it's the end of the world and that like nothing can make it better. Yeah. And that and it doesn't matter if it's happened to everyone else. It's happening to me. Yep. And and, and 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 that's a normal reaction and people tend to be like oh whatever you're you're fine you'll you'll get over it kind of thing. I don't think it's only the a normal reaction I think it is the most common reaction. Right? Yes. Like like <laughs> developmentally, right? We're at a place where right. it's like we're drowning, right? Mm-hmm. But drowning in hormones, <laughs> drowning in neurons, everything everything <laughs> it it's is. it's all there and you're you're feeling raw emotion all the time we decided to put all teenagers in this box for eight hours a day uh five days a week was an idiot okay um, this is not a good idea my my developmental psychology professor in in graduate school explained that um teenagers and two-year-olds are the most developmentally alike and it's true <laughs> like you feel and and that's because of like the certain developmental stage with neurons and and I don't want to get into all the science of it but how um your brain's going through pruning at that time and so you're losing some um some some functions that aren't necessarily necessary like if you, and and memories and things like that and so it's like 
your brain is going through the same kind of process that it is when you're two years old. And can you imagine a two-year-old that can talk like normally like an adult <laughs> and and is expected to be able to sit for eight hours on end and do math homework and history homework and have friends and do chores and and have enemies all and over have the place. enemies you know one of the things that a two-year-old doesn't have all of that <laughs> so true. yeah one, one of the things that i think is, is most important to understand about uh, that developmental piece is the, the fact that like your brain just can't process seeing into the future very far yeah right yeah so it does feel like it's the end of the world. It does feel like it's never going to get better because you can't see that you're going to be 60 years old or 50 or 40. You can't even mm-hmm. see that you're going to be 30 years old. You know, like this is it. Yeah. It feels like it's it. And I think the show does a great job of that. And then Hannah, the girl who killed herself, she she is very – she's going through some stuff. But she's she has a maturity to be able to – help us and other characters understand what she's going through. So for example, there's a there's an episode where there's a list that goes out and it's a list that talks about like who's the girl with the best lips or who's the girl with the best ass. And she's the one with the best ass. And then everybody's like, oh, you got a compliment. Like, oh, you're so cool. And she goes around, she's like, you don't understand. Like I'm being objectified. Like now, hmm. like people are staring at my ass all the time. Like you don't understand what that's like. It wasn't a compliment. You didn't make my life easier by putting me on that list. You know, and I mm-hmm. thought that that was that was really well done. You know, the yeah. way that was explained, like she had to like call people out and be like, "Wait a minute, like you you don't get it." Let me explain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, I think I mean, if you watch it, I think we can definitely process and 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 yeah. and talk about it more. Um, the 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 folks at Jedi Council are going deep. They're I think they're they're gonna do. More. more than three episodes on Whoa. on the show, and and really, I mean, they're talking about kind of the representation of the of the mental health themes, in particular, the 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 treatment or lack thereof, the actual portrayal of suicide, that type of thing. And uh, well, what I'd like to talk to you more about in the future is kind of that portrayal of that of that teenage life. It it's mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like nine hundred two one zero, right? It's you're starting right. off with the with what just happened, which is that a fellow student has died by suicide and we're in the immediate aftermath of that and we're just beginning to understand it. And that's a premise for a show that I've never, I've never seen anything like that. And, and shows like 90210 did deal with issues of suicide and, and, but, and very serious topics, but you're right. It doesn't like just jump right into it like that. That's ultimately not what the show is about, though, right? And, right? and there's still, like, these fantasy bullshit versions of the world where they bring in things, and which is absolutely okay, which is what we want. We want, in More our fantasy. fun, we want something yeah. that's relatable every now and then so we can, so, so at least you and I <laughs> can talk about it and, and, and <laughs> think about how we could potentially use that, um, even those small instances, to, to talk about stuff that's going on in people's lives. But this show, from beginning to end, um, I don't know. I think I think it was amazing, and you do see, you do see characters evolve throughout it, because they're, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of people who are afraid and the things that they did because they were afraid, and ultimately, you know, Hannah is is in the middle of it, and yeah, I think I think it was I think it's an amazing show, incredibly graphic towards the end, but. I kind of I, it, that doesn't bother me. I'm glad you keep saying that so that people who are listening, if they haven't watched it, get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would almost. I mean, I. So there's actually a special that is also on Netflix called Beyond the Reasons, and it talks to the author of the original novel, the creator of the show, the producers, and the actors, and they talk about that particular scene where where you see the suicide happen, and they talk about why they wanted it. They just wanted it to seem real. And I think, you know, it looked you real to they, me. They, yeah. I don't know if that's what it's like, but it looked real to me. And it stayed with me. And I think I think that it's – I agree with them that it's important to not shy away. Like mm-hmm. we were facing it don't and talking about it. Don't romanticize it. Yeah, exactly. 100% we're talking about it from the beginning. And when we finally showed it, we showed it to you for real. We didn't We didn't move the camera away. We didn't do anything different. Like everything was done in an uncomfortable way because it's an uncomfortable show. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the reason. And, and in that sense, I applaud it for doing that. 
But still, it's not the type of thing where I'll be like, hey, guys, want to see this scene? It's really graphic. I think, I don't know. I would almost, I don't know. I kind of wish there was like a, I don't know, like an option to skip it at, at, right before or, uh. or that there were two options, you know, like for the for the final episode. Like, do you want to see the version, like, with two different ratings maybe, you know? Because mm-hmm. I don't I have mixed feelings about it just because if uh, – I don't know if you've ever had this situation where you, you think about bringing up content for, for one of your clients and then there's, like, one or two things where you're like, well, well I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I, I believe that it's important to see what happens. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I don't know. I yeah. haven't decided either way. But if I were going to show somebody the show or, or, or recommend it to somebody and be like, hey, listen, let's go through this show or go through this show, watch it. Um, you know, it deals with this stuff. And then they get to that part or to a few of the different parts that are extremely graphic. I don't, I don't know. It all depends on the client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and what they are ready for. And you have to be ready to be able to turn it off if it's too much. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that's the same as if you're talking about something. Yeah. You have to know what they're ready for and ready to say and ready to process and ready to hear. Um, and you never know about another person. And sometimes you don't know as the person you know, right. who's watching. You don't know. So that's why, that's why I, I wish there was an option, you know? Right. I wish. I think it's a very important show to watch. And it's one of the first times... Or one of the few times I've ever thought, like, well, maybe a, a mm-hmm. an edited version wouldn't be so bad to show, you know, in a middle school or in a high school, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a, I mean, those are, those are the themes that it's messing with. I, I thought it was amazing. And, you know, you've been warned <laughs> uh, about, about kind of the graphic stuff. And, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. And again, if you feel like me at the end of two episodes, like, no, what's going on here? It, uh, it gets... It, G- it's, give it it's a couple better. more episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is amazing. All right. So that's it for this that's week. That's it. We covered a lot. We did. We did. Um, so I'll, I'll put all that in the show notes. And thank you, Lara, once again, for sharing your, your experience for the weekend. And I will talk to you next week. You've just listened to Geek Therapy on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com.